Y'all listening to that 20 by 20 podcast, the best of wrestling, the best of hip-hop. Check it out. Boom. This is the 20 by 20 podcast. Shout out to the nation of domination. Yeah. In these potty streets, but we doing our thing. Tell Coco beware, bringing them birds to the ring. Attitude error, WWF on the leather. It's that 2020 podcast. I go wherever your shorty with a frog splash. She look like Sunny, but she Puerto Rican. I came through like the repo man creeping. Hello, hello, once again, once again, this is the 20 by 20 podcast, and I am your host, Nathan McFly, rolling dolo today, it's all good, it's all good, we over here with episode 134, how's everybody doing, hopefully everybody doing well, damn, I was just listening to this Conway Deluxe edition of, um, From King to a God, hit this out real quick. I know I usually do this, you know, at the end. But damn. Yo, Darren is a beast on that, man. Darren is a beast. You hear that? Oh my god. Then boys at Griselda are doing crazy, crazy things, man. They're always coming out with some fire. Shout out to the whole Griselda team. Westside Gun, Conway, Benny, Armani Caesar, Derringer. You know, I see Beat Butcher there all the time doing doing stuff with them. Oh man. Amazing, amazing. I remember when I used to be in uh Grands' crib from Buddha and Grands with Beat Butcher there. And I think it was uh one of Buddha's boys who would be on the guitar just you know strumming away and they would just be making beautiful music there, man. And I, that's one of the things uh I cherish when I was in uh you know working in the music industry and stuff. Just being there for moments like that. It's not being in the studio, it's just being in a room with a with a collective of talented people. You know, of course, I'm good smoke in the air. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but it is what it is. And, um, you know, I'm glad I am glad I got to live some of that. Yo, shout out to Buddha and Grands. Those are my guys. Known them for years, for years, for years. 10 plus. Shout out to my boy Polo, too. Rock Nation. What up? What up? What up? But, uh, yeah, man. Um, you know, we out here in New York City. Got hit by a major snowstorm. What was it Wednesday night? And through Wednesday and Thursday, fell like about 11 inches out here in the city, easily. You know, with the two days combined. But, you know, it's all good. It's something we haven't had in quite some time. It's been a couple of years. It's been like 10 years since the last time we had a snowfall like that in December. So, you know, it was nice to see, you know, the kids out there wilding out. <laughs> As you already know, throwing snow, making snowmen, all that good stuff. But, um... Let's uh let's get it cracking, man. Let's get into what happened this week in pro wrestling. And um, one thing that's really been setting the pro wrestling world ablaze is the news of Keith Lee being one of the five big men from Raw being sent down to the performance center. Not sent down in the way of you know being taken off TV and you know having to like get repackaged. None of that. Because as we've seen with that. With that news coming out, they were they were still on Raw on Monday, all of them except you know, um, Dabakato. Dabakato hasn't been seen since that little interaction he had with Braun Strowman. But uh, we've seen almost, we've seen uh, well, uh, I guess we'll see today because this is Friday, so we'll see if Otis makes an appearance over there on uh, SmackDown, and we got to see Keith Lee. We didn't get to see Keith Lee at his best. I mean. Recently, uh, since coming up, since a uh, little, I guess you could say feud. I don't even know if it was really a feud with what, what him and Randy Orton was doing. Keith Lee hasn't been doing much. And it's actually, you know, wrestling fans are a very, very, very passionate fan base. I mean, you could, you could like rival this with 
fans of the Boston Red Sox, New York Yankees, New York Mets, <laughs> New York New York Knicks. I'm I'm one of them. I've been a diehard Knicks fan for 20 plus years, more than that actually. Actually, about 30 years since I was a, since I was a little little kid, and you know, never got to see the team win. Uh, just seen very you know close close encounters of winning, and you know you're still rooting for them. Same thing with uh, pro wrestling. When you see, especially when you see a team or somebody that you like, or if you're a kid, you idolize a person, and you see them not getting their due their due diligence, not getting their justice, you react. In a way where everything gets you mad if it's negative. And I just feel like this news of him going to the performance center, instead of like saying what could he be doing there in the performance center, it was just seen as a demotion. It was seen as Vince not trusting or Vince not seeing what it is in this talent in order for them to prosper in WWE. Which I find funny because as this is coming out, we're getting another um, report. And especially this report that came out is coming from WrestleVote. WrestleVote is like dead ass right now. WrestleVote is like the Tony Gwynn of reporting, you know, professional wrestling news. It's efficient. You know what I'm saying? Tony Gwynn was an efficient hitter. He wasn't he wasn't hitting for home runs, but you know what? He was the closest to get it, to get the Teddy Williams 400, and that says something. You know what I'm saying? Look the, look at the record, but Tony Gwynn was that dude. But uh, WrestleVolt said that there's rumors of having Keith Lee in a triple threat match at Mania with Drew McIntyre and Brock Lesnar, which are two big names. Drew, Drew McIntyre being the WWE champion, Brock Lesnar, first ballot Hall of Famer. Brock Lesnar, that motherfucker. That's it. And if you have Keith Lee with those two in the ring, Keith Lee could be made at the snap of a finger. You know what I'm saying? Keith Lee is amazing. A incredible talent, but it's never been in the atmosphere that is WWE. Everything about Keith Lee is indie. Uh, can he be a main roster guy? Can he be a main event guy? Can he be the anchor of a uh, of a company? Of course he can. And we've seen it when Vince was telling him that. When Vince is like, "Hey, I've got a hell of an athlete here. Uh, you know, good promo." Move well in the ring, great wrestler. Like he, he's giving them all those accolades. He said good promo, meaning he got to work on it. And it, like if we're gonna keep it a hundred, we already know that Keith Lee has to work on his promo. He's he has like the gentle giant thing going on when he should be more like the Hulk. If you want to make him into the Hulk, that's good because then he can have his Bruce Banner side. His Bruce Banner side is the you know is the smart the smart doctor that talks like that. That's cool. But you got to learn how to balance that out. That could be a great, great character base for Keith Lee because of, you know, he's a, he's a hulking figure. And Keith Lee could do so much things in the ring that a 300-pounder shouldn't be able to do. And what I think he's going to the performance center for is to learn how to work like a big man. He's never really worked like a big man. He was in NXT. He worked like an NXT wrestler. Work like the smaller guys. Even the big guys in NXT work like the smaller guys. He has to have people work towards him. Work towards his size. As The Undertaker would say. And I feel that with more of a big man set moves, set of moves. And then him sprinkling in himself into that. Finding his true self. Because think about if you don't see Keith Lee doing a, a Torpe Suicida. Or every match. Imagine if you don't see Keith Lee trying to do a, a moonsault every match, or trying to do a roundhouse kick like he did on Raw this past Raw, and it looked it looked flat, like it didn't look like anything impressive, you know? Because we've seen it so much, and then when he does it, when it don't look good, we're like, ah, maybe he shouldn't have done that. Then we start thinking twice about what he's doing. Then think about how the talent feels in himself. He doesn't look like he's confident. He doesn't have that confidence, that swag that he came in with from NXT. Of course, he probably has people in his ear telling him shit. And, he, you know, he's he's thinking one way from here to next, next Tuesday. Like, what the fuck is going on? But at the end of the day, Keith Lee just has to be himself. And if he can learn how to hone certain skills, get better on the mic, he's going to be there at Mania. Yes, I know Mania is four months away. Maybe a little later because I know they were trying to push it 
uh, push it like uh, three weeks later because they, they wanted all the testing, you know, for the COVID and everything so they could have a large fan base at WrestleMania, which is great. At least they're, they're, they're having that in mind. But at the end of the day, getting sent down to the Performance Center isn't the end-all, be-all. I mean, I'm just going to name a couple of people that got sent sent down when they were, you know, at their peak, you would say, of popularity. You have somebody like the Big Show. Big Show came into WWE, if I'm not mistaken, I think it was like 98, 90. Coming off a crazy run in WCW where he was WCW world champion. Came to WWE, became world champion. And he had to go to OVW, which was a developmental at the time, run by, I think, Jim Cornette. And he had to learn how to how to do certain things, how to be a big-time main eventer for a company like WWE. We have Mark Henry as well, who had to go down to OVW. We've seen stints of Cesaro and Tyson Kidd in NXT. NXT television is there. Go to the go to the network. Go to the libraries over there, and you'll see them there. You know what I'm saying? Um, and then we they say there's you know there's always reports of Vince not liking somebody, and those reports were of people like Daniel Bryan, Rusev, Oscar, Christian, Luke Harper, Sasha Banks. As we know with Daniel Bryan, another one who's the first Battle Hall of Famer, and it's funny, like with Daniel Bryan, look at this. I feel sometimes that WWE they work the fans into the the storylines. Just, just like with Daniel Bryan, how everybody wanted and that was the universe's champion right there was Daniel Bryan. The fans were so fixated on Daniel Bryan. They wanted Daniel Bryan to win the Royal Rumble. They wanted Daniel Bryan to go to WrestleMania. They made a story out of that. They, it got dropped in front of them, and they made it into not only a storyline for us to see on TV, but then, you know, there's documentaries on the day of WrestleMania 30, and a beautiful moment that was when Daniel Bryan became WWE champion and world champion. He held both belts. You know what I'm saying? Beautiful, beautiful moment. Rusev, I'll say they, they kind of dropped the ball with Rusev, man. Uh, you know... Shout out to Rusev came on a tank <laughs> to uh to WrestleMania, which was insane. He was just so over at the moment as a heel it was crazy. Uh Rusev Day, they didn't capitalize on that. And it's just it's it really sucks, you know, it really sucks, man. Asuka, as we've seen, Asuka, she's a two time women's champion. Uh longest reigning NXT women's champion, undefeated champion at that. Luke Harper in the other case. Luke Harper, I felt like got his chances within WWE, but he was he was injury prone. He seemed to always get injured. If it, if it wasn't him, it was Rowan. It it's just too hard. It's just like with NBA players, major league players. If you know somebody's injury prone, you don't want to invest too much in them because you want to see what they got left. You want to see if they could do something for you. So you give them a minimum. You give them this. You give them that just to see how it works. If it works, maybe we could go somewhere with it. If it doesn't, then it doesn't. You know what I'm saying? And Sasha Banks, I mean, you know, Sasha Banks always had those short title runs, those day runs, month runs, 20-day runs, and I never understood that whatsoever because she's just amazing in the ring, an amazing talent, you know, just an amazing personality, character, character-wise. It's just off the off the chain. And now we're seeing her come into her own um, as SmackDown, SmackDown Woman Champion. And I feel that we're we're seeing we're seeing what everybody wanted to see out of Sasha Banks in the main roster, and that and that's her having a real title run. And I'm guessing that that's what we're getting right now. And like I was saying earlier, you know, the fans get worked into the narrative of the the storylines. And I feel like we do get what we want as fans from WWE. We just don't get it at the moment that we want it. It comes to us slowly but surely. It comes to us, and when it does, we we overjoice. We're all over, just like when Kofi got the WWE Championship at WrestleMania. It was a beautiful moment. It was a great match between him and Daniel Bryan at Mania as well. And you know that moment right there, Daniel Bryan's WrestleMania 30 moment. Those are moments that's gonna live in history. It's gonna live in infamy. We're gonna talk about those moments for years on end. 
they give it to us, man. WrestleMania 35 is a great, great example of them giving the fans what they want. We got a women's main event match. We got Kofi as champ. You know, Zack Ryder and uh, Kurt Hawkins won the tag team titles because they were they were somewhat on fire at the moment. You know, and then we get little surprises like Shinsuke Nakamura winning the Royal Rumble. If you thought that Shinsuke was going to win the Rumble that year, then you're a fucking genius. Then Walter McCart is either your uncle or your father or maybe just your uncle because you already know. But come on now. Like I didn't see that coming, but it was a great moment. And I feel like we're we're gearing up for another great moment. You know what I'm saying? Because as per WrestleVote, you know, the Tony Gwynn of wrestling news right now, they're saying that uh, a group of writers in WWE were asked to make a list of underutilized talent who might do well if given the chance and names included the likes of Cesaro, Angel Garza, Chad Gable, Carmella and Peyton Royce. Right now with Carmella, we're seeing her in a great segment with, with Sasha Banks. They got a match at TLC this Sunday. Um, the new repackaged Carmella, it looks great. It actually got me a little scared for Sasha Banks. You know what I'm saying? She already defended the title. And she got that first win as a champ. But do they take it away from her this quick? I mean, Carmella looks like she's she's money right now. And I, it's hard it's hard to choose, but I'm going to go for Sasha Banks because I want to see Sasha Banks get that lengthy title run. But going back to the names on this list, Angel Garza. Angel Garza, like, has... Oh my God! So, so he he's just so charismatic, and yeah, he, ha- he has the look. He got the pretty boy poppy look. He's great in the ring. He could talk on the mic. His English is a little choppy, but he could talk on the mic. His English is not as good as Santos Escobar. Santos Escobar, the NXT Cruiserweight Champ, he's money as well. I mean, it's pro it's probably not out there for us to see right now, but you know. Santos Escobar's money, but Angel Garza is as well. And I feel like he just needs the right, the right story, the right, you know, the right placement for him and his character and where they're going to go with it. Is he going to be a playboy? Is he going to be this? Is he going to be that? Like, what is he going to be? You know, they tried that playboy stuff out with Andrade in NXT. It didn't really work, but it kind of worked into what he was doing to evolve his to evolve his character to where he became El Ido. So let's see, let's see what happens. Uh, Chad Gable, everybody knows Chad Gable is fucking talented as fuck in the ring, and him and Jason Jordan, American Alpha, were one of my favorite tag teams at NXT when they came up. We didn't get the same American Alpha, but I feel like Chad Gable is charismatic enough to either be heel or babyface. And I think that's what we're seeing right now with the whole uh, story of him and Otis right now. And it's kind of it's kind of resembles what he was doing with with uh, Jason Jordan in NXT, where he was looking for a partner. He was looking for somebody to, you know, put his knowledge forth onto. So that's going to that's going to be kind of interesting moving forward. And we'll see if we get like a, you know, a different side of Otis, not the goofy Otis, but a more a more serious Otis. So let's see what, what goes on with that. And. I mean, Keith Lee, I don't think he has nothing to worry about. Cesaro, Cesaro is a surprise for me because he is always on the wrestling fans list of people that should have more. And Vince just doesn't know what he's missing. He he says he's missing it, but what is it? If it's the mic skills, then I understand, but it can't be nothing else. He has everything. That could be another surprise for us at the Rumble there. What if he gets that diesel spot where he's throwing everybody out and he's just being very, very aggressive and wanting to wanting to get it done and wanting to win? That would be a great spot for him, a great start, a great, you know. Yeah, man, fuck it, a great start. <laughs> try, to, try to come up with a different, a different way of saying it, but no, man, this shit would be a great start for Cesaro right there in the Rumble. And I'm hoping, and I'm hoping that he gets a big spot. He needs a big spot right now going into 2021. Uh, on Friday in SmackDown, 
Big E got a great endorsement from Paulie. I mean, right now, I said Paulie. He has that probably has he hasn't been called Paulie in a while. Paul Heyman. Uh without the fans, without knowing how people are, are interacting with the talent, just like how, how they vibing with it, without that, it's hard for Vince to know anything. He's going on what he thinks. If we had the the fan reaction, the booze and all that other stuff, I'm telling you, it's just like with Daniel Bryan. They worked us into it because we kept we voiced our opinion. There's no opinions being there's no opinion opinions being voiced at the moment. Do you think he's gonna be on social media, Twitter, Instagram, anything else? No, motherfucker didn't even want Twitch in the locker room. You think he's gonna be on any of that shit? Come on now. But uh, Paul Heyman said. This this Big E, the focus Big E, the singles champion minded Big E has so much potential that 10 years from now, as your story's being written, they will always say that the accomplishments that you did with the New Day will pale, it will pale by respectful in comparison to the accomplishments you will put forth on your own. Him saying that had Big E's attention already. Because you could tell Big E misses his friends. He hasn't fully detached himself from them. Uh, New Day, Xavier Woods, and Kofi hasn't fully detached themselves from Big E as well. You could tell by their by their movement movements in the ring, like they're telling stories by their by their actions, and it's it's crazy. It's crazy to see in the ring. But one thing that really, really, really caught my mind was when he said. You have accepted in your heart that the New Day will only be a footnote in the story of the greatness of Big E. And if I prove my case to you, when was the last time you saw Roman Reigns in the ring and anybody even bothered to mention the shield? Mic drop. Like, they went off talking smack with that. And that right there, what Paul Heyman is doing on commentary for talking smack is amazing. The way he's been bigging up the street profits. The way he's bigged up Bianca Belair. The way he just bigged up Big E last Friday. I mean, this is what they need. This is what the WWE needs. Because at the drop of a dime, everybody's going on their their, their laptops, computers, smartphones, whatever, and talking about this. Everybody is going to their blogs, going to the websites they write for and everything and talking about talking about this, debating about this, waiting to see when is the next rumor out of the rumor mill is going to come out about this right here. And it's just going to get people talking. You know, it's going to get people talking. Hopefully we'll see videos of fans voicing their opinion. Maybe that's something that we need to see a lot more. Fans voicing their opinion like that. Stop hiding behind the keyboard. Stop hiding behind the phones. Bring yourself out there. Put yourself in the light and speak your fucking peace. You know what I'm saying? Maybe that'll be a different way of saying how you feel without being in the crowd and booing everything. You say, you see, some fans are saying, we're not getting what we want, but when we actually do, then you cry about it. I just don't understand it sometimes. But um, that right there, I mean, that, that just voices everything that I've been always saying about Big E and also Keith Lee, as we talked about before. I see I seen Big E from months back as a winner for, the, for this year's Royal Rumble coming around. People saying that there's not enough time to make him a strong, make him look like a strong competitor. The way he lost to Sami Zayn, the count out. I mean, this is something that Sami Zayn is doing. This is part of his character. This is how he's winning matches because he... He's the, he's the snake. He's the little weasel heel. This is how he's winning. If Biggie looked weak and doing that, he didn't get pinned. How's he looking weak? Maybe maybe he's not all up there mentally. He's not he's not concentrated on the match. That's the story being told. Remember these are stories being told in front of us. But if Biggie gets serious here on after, if he gets serious, this right here could be the first step into Big E going to WrestleMania. Now, WrestleMania, as what's been rumored and what's been something that Vince wanted is Roman vs. Rock. Roman vs. Rock makes 
all the sense in the world in that this is the story that Roman is talking about. This is the this is Roman's story. Him being the head of the table. Him being the head of the family. Yeah, you're the head of the family, but you haven't gone through the, that nigga in the family. You know what I'm saying? You haven't gone through the main man in the family. So I to, at the at the end of the day, if Biggie gotta wait, if Biggie gotta wait until SummerSlam, come on now, SummerSlam is WrestleMania in the summer. Why not? We've seen big, big matches, big, big title changes during SummerSlams. And I wouldn't mind if Biggie doesn't get the WrestleMania nod, that he gets SummerSlam and holds it through the next WrestleMania. That would be amazing. But I think Biggie's start is now. And if it ain't the Rumble, I feel that this summer coming, summer 2021, will be his. I feel that that will be his moment. And he's going to make it happen. I just, ha- I just have a feeling, man. I feel like this is what was needed. Biggie's reaction to how Paul Heyman was talking to him spoke volumes without him even speaking. He's fully focused. And he wants to be champion. And he will become WWE Universal Champion. Okay. Uh, let's get into NXT. Hold on a sec. Let's get into NXT real quick. NXT had some fire, fire matches, man. Holy moly, 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 holy moly. Two dope fucking matches. Kyle O'Reilly versus Pete Dunne. Yo, Kyle O'Reilly. I'm going to be honest. When I went to Final Battle 20... I don't know if it was 2015 or 2016... And it was Adam Cole versus Kyle O'Reilly for the ROH Championship. I was big into Adam Cole for a a couple of years already. And I didn't want to see Adam Cole losing the title. But when Kyle O'Reilly won the ROH Championship, the place went bananas. I was the only one in the place that wasn't going bananas, but the place went bananas. And I just couldn't figure out Kyle O'Reilly as a single star yet. Um... You know, a year or two later, comes into the comes into NXT. They have undisputed era formed together, and I just started seeing the the charisma, the the swag, the poise in in, in Kyle O'Reilly that I was just like, okay, okay, I like it. And then you know, just him and Bobby Fish together, fire him and Roddy Strong together, fire as a tag team, just all four of them together, is is amazing. And what he did with Finn Balor at that takeover was it was it was one of the most intense, violent matches in wrestling that I've seen in quite some time. And I'm putting in another match that I've seen this year as well with uh, Walter versus Dragunov that was insane, insane. If you haven't seen it, if you haven't been att- paying attention to NXT UK since they've been going on. Um, after the pandemic, please tune in. Please go into the network and watch some NXT UK. They've been doing some marvelous shit over there. Uh, but um, this this Wednesday on on NXT, it just it also showed me how great Pete Dunne is as a wrestler. Like Pete Dunne, he could take a L, especially in a crazy match like that, and still look good, regardless, and still look strong, and still. Wipe it off real quick and be like, you know what? I'm going to be in this scene whether whether you like it or not soon. And I think that's what's coming. I think when they're ready to have Killer Cross go in there, most likely take the title off Finn Balor, maybe out of NXT in January or NXT during WrestleMania season, I feel that he will go on a nice little run. But Pete Dunne might just be the guy to take Killer Cross out and Pete Dunn's worked with bigger guys and made it look fantastic as you know going back to his matches with Walter as well for the UK title I mean Walter's another one 600 plus days with the fucking championship already Jesus Lord I think we're going into two years as uh Walter as UK championship I know most of it has been because of the pandemic and we didn't get to see that Finn Balor uh Walter match but Pete Dunn, he's he's just a gift for NXT. NXT's whole main 
talent roster, like the main level, the, the main event level, you have Kyle O'Reilly, Pete Dunne, you got Killer Cross in there, Finn Balor. Um, you could put in Damian Priest because Damian Priest, I I could have sworn he was gonna get catapulted towards the NXT title picture, but with the arrival of Killer Cross, he might just be in limbo. It right in between of uh, the North American and NXT titles. But, you know, you got Tommaso Ciampa. You got Timothy Thatcher. You got Johnny Gargano. Oh, man. Like, just, just naming those talents right there. Phenomenal, phenomenal talents. I mean, just heard that uh, Cameron Grimes is injured. He's going to be out four to six weeks. And even with that, even with that type of talent out, you still have a crop of great guys and you have people on the come up got people on the come up too waiting waiting for their shot and we seen that with uh the kid that that fought what's his name um champa on nxc hold up tyler rust there we go tyler rust man that kid if Nobody thought that he was going to be good. Now they know. Like, you're not going to go 15, 20 minutes with one of NXT's top guys and not catch the eye of anybody. And not only go 15, 20 minutes with him, but actually look like you're going to win the match. But, you know, you just, just lost it by this much. Uh, shout out to Ciampa for letting him get in that much offense on him. Uh, which is pretty predictable if you think, because Ciampa, even though it was two weeks ago, coming off on an insane match with Timothy Thatcher, and hey man, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like he has to show that you know there's a little bit of wear and tear there. You know what I'm saying? And nothing's gonna come easy right now. So I like that. Like that plays into the psychology of wrestling, which I love. I just that's one thing about I love about pro wrestling is when the psychology and the the way the moves are being placed. Like I I just love that shit because it just makes sense when stuff makes sense. It, it makes it makes a world of difference, man. Uh, Tony Storm versus Rhea Ripley. I've seen this match about two or three times, but it just keeps getting better for me. I wish that they would have implemented their story from NXT UK a little more. Because we're talking about the NXT Women's uh, Title Tournament, we're talking about Rhea Rip, uh, Tony Storm finally beating Rhea Ripley for that title. Uh, you know, like Rhea Ripley, you know, beating Tony Storm for the title. Like, there's so there's so much history there, and if and they've been on NXT UK pay per view events. There's so much there they could have really built into. I feel like they kind of rushed this. But as we seen later on after the match, it was rushed because the real segment is with Gonzalez. So Gonzalez and Ripley, that's going to be great. I mean, the last match they had was really good. Uh, Rhea Ripley came out on top on that one. She really needed that win because she's been taking a lot of L since, since she lost that title, man. Since she took that L from, uh, from Charlotte, she's been losing a lot. I'm hoping that she don't get lost in the sauce. I'm hoping that she can actually get it all back together and do what she came to do. But that NXT women's division, man, that, that shit is packed. That's another division that's packed. You know, you got these two ladies here, Tony Storm and Rhea Ripley. You got the champ, Io Shirai, who's phenomenal. You got Ember Moon there. Uh, Dakota Kai, who she had, she's having a visa problem right now. That's why she's not around right now. But you got her. Um, Candice LeRae, she's injured, but uh man, you got you got a lot of you got a lot of females there, man. You got a lot, a lot of females there who who are ready to make a name, who are ready to let everybody know who they are. And in yo, man, WWE is is really rich in this in the essence of uh women's wrestling. They have so much talent from top to bottom. Main, main roster, SmackDown, Raw, and NXT. All together, you ball that up all together, you would have a phenomenal women's division with actual tag teams, which is crazy. That's all I got to say about that. Uh, <clears throat> another thing that was interesting this week on 
Well, I mean, I, I got to put these two shows together because they're coinciding with each other. I mean, they do have the old school uh, commercials going in with Tony Khan and uh, Tony Cervani, which is dope. I like that. I like that little touch right there on Impact Television. But uh, are we seeing a reformation of the Bullet Club in in the States? we kind of seen that a little bit in WWE where Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson will roll with Finn, when Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson will roll with AJ, but then they call it the club, then they call it the original club, and the OGBC, all this other bullshit. Balor Club. They didn't just say Bullet Club. I mean, maybe because that's a trademark, but it seemed like Kenny didn't give a shit. He's like, you want to see the Bullet Club? Like, he's, he's, just, he's just being a dick about it, which is great. And... He gives Lou Gallows and Carl Anderson, like, and it's crazy to say, but he kind of gives those guys respectability. I mean, I know everybody's big fans of the Good Brothers. I mean, the Good Brothers are fucking amazing. I was a, I was a big fan of them. Uh, me, me and all my boys, LP, Shice, Bing, Wood, we're all big fans of uh, the Good Brothers. But it's just having Kenny with them there and Kenny doing what he's doing now, trying to be a champion of all champions, it just gives them a respectability, especially when they're holding those tag team titles with uh with impact. So that's something else right there that I thought about. And it's it's just a crazy thing. Because now Kenny is headlining Hard to Kill, where you're gonna see as you could say, the Bullet Club, Carl Anderson, Luke Gallows, Kenny Omega versus uh, Motor City Machine Gun and Rich Swan. which I think what this possibly this is going to do is set up the Rich Swan kenny Omega match. And it's just looking like everything is being set up for Kenny to do what he said he was going to do. Go, go everywhere and take the titles. Now, my thing is this. As we know, ROH was one of the companies that were pretty tight about AEW starting because not only did they take talent that they have, but their biggest talent, their biggest merch sellers within the Bullet Club all left. Hangman, Adam Page, uh, the, the, oh wow, the Young Bucks, Marty Skull left, but he didn't go to... Oh, no, Marty Skull stayed, did some NWA stuff, but he's there. But with all the, the speaking out movement, he's not really there. Uh, a lot of people, a lot of people ended up leaving. And I don't know if that's another organization they would go to. I mean, MOW is out there. Maybe MOW can use the rub from, from Impact and AEW and just have talent go in and out of in and out of uh, each company, which would be good for MLW. They'll have new talent for their amazing heavyweight heavyweight champ, Jacob Fatu, the Samoan werewolf, to go through, which is great. And another company that everybody seems to be talking about is New Japan. Well, New Japan and AEW seem to have bad blood, but what if that's the story they want us to see. What if that's the story they want us to fixate on when the ace in the hole is the relationship? When the ace in the hole is New Japan Pro Wrestling and AEW coming together and being one. If that happens and he goes and takes that title, takes the ROH title, has the Impact title, the AAA title, and the AEW title, this Guy is going to be what Don Callis says, a wrestling god. No disrespect to Papa Dios. But that's what's going to happen. But one thing that I just started to think, and it's, this is just me. You know, Don Callis always mentions Chris Jericho and always mentions that's when it started. When Chris Jericho left WWE and went to New Japan and they went together to New Japan. They were there all together. I think Kenny was the one that brought him in and brought him into the fold of that whole thing coming around where it was going to be Jericho and Kenny at, at the Tokyo Dome. So if 
game plan is, that's where it all started. What if, I mean, a lot of people see MJF in the inner circle and think he's going to take over the inner circle or he's going to kick out Jericho or something like that. What if Jericho just leaves the inner circle? What if Jericho just joins Don Callis and Kenny Omega and they just make this Canadian stable of wrestlers? What if? What if the North joins them? And just they just have an amazing collective of talent that runs through all promotions running shit. Like legally running shit. Now, I mean, you already know Bullet Club has influences in all companies with AJ Style and WWE. You know, the Bullet Club in New Japan. Uh, Ex-Bullet Club members in AEW. Ex-Bullet Club members here and there. But what if this stable right here, everybody in this stable is in different promotions respectively, but they all are together. That could be something very, very interesting to see. I think that could be an amazing, amazing asset to all the companies. If they could run joint promotion shows, if they could just cross over talent, have have talent going on different shows, have talent, have different matches. Everything will seem fresh, you know? And if, but if Don Collins is trying to do a Canadian NWO, hey, show me something that works and I'll be with it. I just think this is going to be a crazy 2021. This might be the move that puts the battery and Vince is back <laughs> and he sees that there's real competition, but the real competition comes the real, uh, needle mover, the real, uh, switch power change is when AEW can consistently do a mill and a half to two every episode of dynamite. That's when Vince is going to get on his game. That's when they always say that Vince is at his best with his back towards the fucking wall. That's when the power shift comes. If they can do 1.5 to 2, if they could actually top or meet WWE at the ratings head to head, that's when there is going to be a problem. That's what needs to be done next. They're on a crazy path right now. Tony Khan and AEW are on an amazing path that they built for themselves. They just need to meet the marks. They meet they meet the marks of the ratings. Yes, they got the demo, but the ratings got to be there too. Consistently averaging that for 2021. And I feel like if they keep going where they're going, shit could get scary. Shit could get scary for WWE, but it could get really, really fun for us wrestling fans. <laughs> could get really fun for us, man. Uh, another thing out of AEW. Uh, fucking shit, man. Fucking JR with his commentary and his opinions about, you know, indie wrestling. This is what he said. He said, all you guys outside, you cluster up like coals, coils. You stand in, you stand there in a huddle, friends and foes together side by side. You can catch some sleep. You can catch the bleeping idiot. Going over the top who never wins with this move. They are looking for the holy shit chant. They're they're they love to hear this is awesome. It's a spot, folks. It's a trapeze act. I don't buy into that. Well, Brandon Cutler from AEW wasn't buying into that into that uh commentary from JR. He didn't like it, you know, he caught feelings over it, but then Dax from FTR said, imagine not listening to criticism from the men and women who shaped our profession and paved the paved the road that allows you to make a living today, all because they hurt your feelings. Okay, so everybody knows with JR, he's very vocal about New Age wrestling, but a lot of the older people in this profession are vocal about it. But it's because sometimes when the moves are being done or how they're being done, it doesn't make sense. 
It doesn't make sense. If that move, that jump over the top rope was done with a purpose, with a meaning, in order to lead up to something else, then yeah. And you know, like it's it's what he he was built off of, what he saw. Cause he's seen matches with The Undertaker doing that. And that was just to get the fans going and get everything ready to go for the match. And then the match goes slowly into something else. But there has to be meaning for every move. You know, there has to be there has to be the X's and O's. A and B always gotta meet up. If you're jumping over to C, you miss you miss B and then you miss something there. Something's missing. Something doesn't sound or look complete. So that's that's I think where JR is coming from, but still, you can't go on your own platform. You can't go on the mic during dynamite and kind of voice these opinions. But I'm saying that not knowing what's going on on the inside. Because he could have been one of the people who go to these younger talents and say, Hey, I think you should do it this way. I think you should do it that way. And it could be just these young boys. Everybody know when you're young, dumb, and reckless, you're not listening to nobody. So they could already be, you know, having him on the side. They're already not listening. There's one in one knee, out the other. He sees that shit, so he's like, you know what, fuck it. I'm going to go on my platform and talk about this shit. These young niggas ain't fucking listening to me. It could be like that, too. We just don't know. We really, really just don't know. So, I mean, it is what it is. You know, Brandon Cutler said if he would have came to the to the young boys and voiced his displeasure and said it in a different tone, that maybe, you know, maybe it would have been more welcoming to hear. But what what other tone do you need? You know what I'm saying? If the coach if the coach is telling you what to do, how to play the game, he's not telling telling it to you in a in a calming tone. He's telling he's telling that to you with panic and desire and passion. And it's gonna come out like he's screaming at you. You just gotta take it, man. You gotta take it, take take whatever fucking knowledge you can get from all these OGs you got around you. I mean, I know they got D Malenko over there. They got uh uh who else? D Malenko, Arn Anderson, uh what was homie from ECW? Got his name, man. But they got a lot of a lot of great minds over there. And I'm just hoping that these young boys over there in AEW are actually listening to the OGs and, you know, peeping game. You know what I'm saying? Because this is what they're going to need moving forward in their career. A lot of them are really young into their career. And they're going to need these voices around them to let them know what the fuck is up. Simple as that. Oh, man. There's a lot to digest, <laughs> a lot to get in. Um, but like I said, this Sunday, this Sunday we have WWE TLC. You know, um, not not too many matches I'm really looking forward to. I mean, of course, I'm looking forward to the Roman Reigns and Kevin Owens match. I mean, Kevin Owens built that match by himself for about two and a half weeks, which is great. And, I mean, everybody knows he doesn't have a chance at winning because this is Roman's story, and this is something that Roman needs. He needs a concrete babyface. Not even a babyface because Kevin Owens is more like a tweener. I don't see him more as a babyface. I see him like as an in-between type talent. But he needs a strong talent to go to get over on. And, you know, it sucks that... The first time in a long time, Kevin Owens is in the main event, and it's for him to lose. But I feel like this is just, you know, a stepping stone for him to get his character together, to get everything in unison, and make a run for one of the mid-card titles to work his way back up to that main roster title. Um, New Day versus Hurt Business, uh, they've been going at it for about a month or so. I want to see Hurt Business, Hurt Business get those titles. I feel like Shelton Benjamin should get a title that does not say 24-7 on it. Um, he deserves it. Cedric Alexander has been doing some of his best work since he had that Cruiserweight title. He looked really good in those um, singles matches against Xavier Woods and Kofi Kingston. Got, got W's on him. So I feel like this is it right here. I think the Hurt Business comes into the tag titles. 
And, you know, MVP is more of a mouthpiece. You know, now they got the tag titles and the U.S. title. And I feel like they should look like one of the stronger teams on Raw. So I'm really looking forward to seeing that. Uh, Bray Wyatt versus Randy Orton. I Well, The Fiend versus Randy Orton. I want to see Randy Orton getting squashed. I hate to say it. I mean, I know Randy Orton has been one of the MVPs of the pandemic era. But I feel The Fiend needs this as he needed the match with Cena. As he needed certain matches where he's getting these these revenge. This is all revenge for him. Everybody that has done him wrong. Randy Orton with that crazy looking at fucking WrestleMania match. Fiend needs his win back. You got to give it back to him. He needs that shit. So I feel like the Fiend should uh, come out on top with like two minutes. And we're getting an Inferno match. I haven't seen an Inferno match since Kane and Undertaker. That's going to be fire. AJ Styles versus McIntyre. Hey, man, you already know these guys are going to show out. Drew McIntyre hasn't had a bad match as champion. AJ Styles, when you throw in, you know, the little little stipulations as a TLC match, he's going to get creative with everything. Uh, I was just watching this X Division match with, it was him, uh, Jesus, it was him, Samoa Joe, and uh you know what i gotta i gotta search this because i was just watching this it's for the x division title and pete uh what was his name again pete williams there we go that motherfucker <laughs> But yeah, you know, so it was, it was, it was a phenomenal match. And then you know, in that six sided ring, they had the that crazy match with the, with the bungees on top, and then they had to go and get the title. Oh my God, man, that match was fucking insane. So every time there's a stipulation within the match, just like the the um, the boneyard match with the Undertaker and. You know, all these, all these, when when it gets real hardcore, AJ could do it with the best of them. And I feel like that's going to be great. What I'm starting to really like about the pay-per-views recently with WWE, they're, they're not stacked with 10, 11 matches. Six, maybe seven, mostly five matches. Get yourself two, two and a half hours and you go home. That's it. Goodbye. Have a nice day. Go, take care. Brush your hair. You know what I'm saying? Now that I'm looking at this card, this card is kind of solid, man. Uh, Asuka is going to have a partner to be determined. TBD, the best fucking person ever in pay-per-view events. Um, I feel that this might be a great spot. Maybe Charlotte coming back. Um, I don't know what's good with Naomi. I'm not sure if she's injured or anything. I don't know if she's ready to come back. Uh, But... Yeah, I think Charlotte's on Raw, so Charlotte should be the one, right? Yeah, let's see what happens. Hopefully, Charlotte come back. That'll be dope. Charlotte has some history with Nia too, so that sh- that should be tough. But uh, yo, man, this is a solid six six matches: New Day versus Hurt Business, Sasha versus Carmella, Roman versus Kevin Owens, Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler versus Oscar, and partner to be determined: The Fiend versus Randy Orton, Drew McIntyre, AJ Styles. This right here is something to fuck with, bro. I understand Keith Lee's not there. But trust me. Trust me when I tell you this. I got all the confidence in the world that Keith Lee will be a major star in 2021. He will be the person you're going to see at every WrestleMania. I'm telling you. That's what's going to happen. But leave that. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, man, this was the 20 by 20 podcast, uh, episode 134. What can I say? Try to give you as much as I can on the dolo tip here. Shout out to Woodrow, you know, shout out to the Nation of Domination. Shout out to Los Boricuas. Shout out to Los Bachateros, you know what I'm saying? And the her business, as he would like to say. Shout out to my boy Bing out in Florida. 
Okay, good, my boy. Um, We probably won't have an episode for you guys next week. But the week after that, right before New Year's Eve, we will have an episode to go and close out the year that was 2020. It's crazy that the 20 by 20 podcast in the year 2020, we had to really fight and work for all this shit. So many trials and tribulations through this year. You know, we'll talk about it on um on the pod. You know, there's a lot a lot of things besides wrestling, you know, a lot of uh personal stuff as well. And we're just trying to grow and be better, just like everybody else. Uh, you know, storyline tease, you know, it was just an idea at one point and it became something. So, you know, this is what it is, man. It's the twenty by twenty podcast. It's your boy Nathan McFly, the one that you like to call knots around the way. You feel me? Everybody will see you in two weeks. Yeah, see you in two weeks. See you here. If I'm not mistaken, like I said, before New Year's Eve. You know what I'm saying? So we'll try to see like the 29th or so. But uh yeah, man, I want to leave you out with that Conway joint that I was listening to earlier. From that king to a god, the deluxe version. Go on all music platforms. It's there for you to enjoy. This one is called Raw Oysters. Check that out. That shit is fire. This was the 20 by 20 podcast. And I'm your host, Nathan McFly. Knots from around the way. Peace. So good to be back. Uh, you know, we started this shit, nigga. Hey, Danger, we started this shit. <laughs> Look at these niggas' face. Look. Started with O's, I ended with keys, you know how I roll, my pull in my jeans, I'm wiping your nose, you know what I mean, you know how I go, you know the machine, my little woe, he only 19, but he be on gold, my nigga not green, my nigga be low, my nigga not seen, just know he up in the smoke anything, bitch I'm the gold, you know I'm the king, uh, you know I'm the fucking king, nigga. Bitch, I'm the gold, you know I'm the king You know these suckers can't fuck with me, nigga Free cut up my nigga, my bro in the bing He told me fuck it, it's nothing, my nigga I touch in a minute, keep doing your thing, look I hear these rappers talking like they dropping classic shit They songs might even be hot, but that shit capped So it's an asterisk, it's blasphemous They tried to blackball me like I'm capping it The money I deserve from off my craft, I ain't see half of it But I never complained, I just kept stacking, I ain't asked for shit I had to learn the business by myself and now I mad Drum work, mean all the guns got drums, that's just how bad it get I shoot that nigga right in front of his kids, that's just how mad I get Machine, you made me wanna rap again Your favorite rapper say, snatch a page from my book Get all the praise and all the accolades Before that, they auto-tune, stuck in that lean and snapping days Now they who brought it back, what all the blogs and podcasts will say Wow, <laughs> this shit is getting wild Rank they albums higher than mine's when y'all know niggas stole my style since I was hearing CO's saying on the child Me and Derringer together like King James in the brow Fuck these niggas, I'm the strongest, I'm the super villain We did the shooting, killing since murder, ink and John Rule was winning Had your cookie spilling in your life, it ain't no new beginnings Moving business, new extended in it, bitch, we do the spilling yeah. I'm the nigga that restored the feeling <laughs> Last month alone, I cleared the quarter million. Ten tennis necklaces, my neck look like some water spilling. Drum work. <laughs> uh, started with O's, I ended with keys. You know how I roll, my pole in my jeans. I'm wiping your nose, jeans, you know what I mean. You know how I go, you know the machine. You know my little old, he only 19, but he be on gold. My nigga not green, my nigga be low, my nigga not seen. No, he gon' up in the smoke anything. Bitch, I'm the gold, you know I'm the king. Uh, Fucking goat, nigga. I'm the king of this shit, nigga. Bitch, I'm the gold, you know I'm the king. I'm the you new know these king. suckers can't fuck with me, nigga. Free yeah. cutting, my nigga, my bro in the bank. Free so we fuck it, there's nothing, my nigga. I touch in a minute, keep doing your thing. Yeah. Boom, boom, boom. The same, bitch. You know, I see through these niggas, man. I see through these niggas. I never complain, I don't trip. I just switch my pitch. I look at my wrist. 
Now look at I'm rich. Yeah. Niggas got rich without me. I was left for dead. Hey yeah. I got a lot more to say. Fuck it, we'll save it. Hey damage, we'll save it for reject three.